what we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, R.J. Young and Brandon Drum. Brandon Drum for another episode of Young and Drum, where, you know what, to hell with it. Hey, Brandon, who's going to start quarterback 2019, August 31st? Ooh, well, so this is an interesting thing. Um, It's either going to be Jalen Hurts or, hey, you know what? I think Spencer Rattler has a better shot than people think because, and I say this because Oklahoma wants – and first, first off, first, first off, first off, first off, this is an OUinsider.com. So if you're you're gonna get all the rest of this information on OUinsider.com, so you need to come remember there. But thirty seconds can, out the gate with the promo. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, I just want everybody to know I'm not gonna give everything out here, but I am going to give you enough that it's gonna entice you a little bit. Tease. Um, look, man, Oklahoma is gonna take a transfer or attempt, attempt. Don't, don't report and say he's oh he said they're gonna take one 100 they're gonna attempt to take one either way i mean i talk to people and if they don't get jalen hurts they are going to try to get you know like a brandon winbush or somebody else that's a grad transfer to at least alleviate you know a uh uh i guess be a stopgap for uh spencer rattler to come up because they i don't guys i mean if the writing's on the wall for austin kendall you can see it everybody knows it they obviously don't think that you know he's gonna be that guy for two or three years dude am i, am I crazy for saying that like i'm not saying like he's not good, i think you're because i think he's really that. really no, good I, I think you're crazy for saying that because as much as i i was thumping that kyler murray was going to win the job like everybody else who knew anything about what was going on with the program and, and actually had seen Kyler Murray play football, especially mm-hmm. in 2017. But I also believe Lincoln when he said, look, Austin Kendall has to take a lot away from knowing he was neck and neck with Kyler Murray for so the starting job in August and then post the bowl game in the <laughs> Orange Bowl game in January, you have Lincoln Riley saying, no, Austin has to feel good about coming into the spring knowing that he was that close to the Heisman winner when we're talking about the job. And I think what a lot of folks forget, and you can check this out in a video that I uploaded on Thursday night, Austin Kendall was rated higher than Jalen Hurts in the 2016 24-7 composite. Now, the dudes in front of him, you could take her and leave them, Shane Bouchelle, right, at 11, and, and Dwayne Haskins, I think, was 8. Shea Patterson was one, ended up transferring to Michigan. He's all right. You know, he's, he ain't Dwayne Haskins, but who is? And then you go up and down that 24-7 composite. Oregon took in two quarterbacks, Terry Wilson and Justin Herbert. We all know Justin Herbert would have probably been the first quarterback taken in the draft this year if he didn't choose to come back. And then Ian Book is also in that, and he was that 35 in the composite. I just think Austin Kendall has more than a shot to win the job, but – I'm going right. to be the guy who is going to be somebody's hero listening to this podcast who says, Tanner Mordecai can spin it. 
Yep. And Tanner that's Mordecai is not going to yep. trying to be a stopgap for anybody, but that's the dude I think is most likely to be the stopgap if he does not win the job this year because Spencer's behind him, and right. you had to know that. So if anybody was going to transfer following this June, I would actually think that, you know, Austin Kendall leaving means Tanner Mordecai stays. Austin Kendall staying means Tanner Mordecai leaves, but he also might be married to the program because he was such a late get and such a late commit. And we all know that Cam Rising was the guy that they wanted, right. no matter how it figured out. Cam Rising was the guy they wanted. They ended up going with Mordecai. And Mordecai knows the score, right, in a way that Kendall does not. Kendall expected to be yeah. the guy, and then Baker showed up, and then Kyler showed up. So <laughs> if anything, I think— And then Hertz showed up. <laughs> right. Well, well, if Hertz shows yeah, up. Yeah, well, he has it. I mean, I'm well, and we're talking about grad people. transfers. And yeah. the only other guy that we can think of right now Brandon is Brandon Wimbush, Wimbush yeah. because you know Martell. He's a, he's a viable, he's a viable guy. Martell could get a hardship waiver because Urban mm -hmm. Meyer retired. It'd be a hard one to get, but it's in play. But I also don't think that that's something that you might necessarily want to do if you're Lincoln Riley, especially if you got Jalen Hurts on the hook. You know, it's not it's not a smart play. And well, folks can talk about how he fits in the scheme, but also, I've, I'm under this impression when we're talking about quarterbacks at Oklahoma right now. If Lincoln Riley says he wants this person to be the quarterback at Oklahoma, I want that person to be the quarterback at Oklahoma. I don't care if it's Monet Davis, okay? What that dude has done with quarterbacks has been nothing less of a superhero and extraordinary. So if it's Jalen Hurts, fine. And I understand there's a lot of folks here that are listening to podcasts that don't think that Jalen Hurts can throw the ball deep or mm. don't think that Jalen Hurts can be an accurate passer or think that he's some sort of running quarterback. All right. I'm going to be this guy, and we might get there later in the podcast because I'm just i on this bent, and it's really starting to piss me off, Brandon. Why are some of these dudes being labeled as butchers rather than surgeons because they're in butcher systems? You yeah. know? I mean, yeah. I, I, That's a, that, that, okay, dude, straight. And I'm not trying to interrupt you, but I can, not trying to interrupt you, but I can flat out tell you, I talk to people tonight. And I can tell you that Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley specifically, thinks the world of Jalen Hurts and his ability. Thinks the world of Thinks that he can come in and be that guy and can win a national title and compete and win the Heisman at Oklahoma. This this came from people inside the program, bro. Like, they think that highly of him. They, they, they're sitting there laughing at some of the stuff that fans and people are saying about Jalen Hurts. They think that he can be that guy at Oklahoma, and they're 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 they want him bad, like to the point that they tried to get him on a visit this weekend, but he had already promised Mike Loxley that he would go there. And also, mind you, I've talked to people in Hertz Camp, and they at one point didn't feel like Oklahoma really wanted him, but now they know and they can see it and feel it and sense it. So things are kind of starting to flip in Oklahoma's favor a little bit, but I don't know if it's to the point to where I would say that he's going to Oklahoma because there's a lot of programs that are using the fact that Oklahoma lost four starters on offensive line and a lot of things that they're, they're not guaranteed to be the starter because Austin Kendall's there. When in reality, that if, if Hurts comes, they're probably going to let Austin Kendall go because he's already graduated. And that only makes sense. Like, dude, thank you. Let's let's find you a spot. Let's find you a Washington State. Let's find you a North Carolina because they really need somebody out there. And that's where he's from. 
But I think a Washington State's a really good look for him. I think a Washington or a North Carolina is a really good look for him. I think a uh, trying to think of another place that needs a quarterback that just lost it. I mean, maybe a Notre Dame would be a good spot for him. I mean, places like that, they fit Austin Kendall's style, you know? And I don't know that where Lincoln Riley seems to be headed with this with this offense. I mean, Mordecai is more of a runner than Kendall. I mean, that's a given. If you've watched Mordecai play, you know he's really athletic. And there's a reason why North Carolina, Georgia, LSU, Florida, all these schools, Miami, all these schools come offering him late in the game after he committed to Oklahoma because they think really highly of him. He he carried that Waco with a Waco Midway program to the state finals and he had no horses around him, no talent, and still was able to put up I think the most he's like top two or three all time in playoff uh, yards, touchdowns and all that stuff in Texas high school football history. I mean the guy is a baller as well. So and and, and to your point about Spencer Rattler, I mean Look, if Mordecai starts, I don't. That, that's why I think they, they they would lean towards starting Rattler if if Kendall decided he wants to transfer, or or they just don't feel like Kendall's the guy. I don't know that they you bring Mordecai in because you think Rattler is your future, right? So why would you play Mordecai? He wins. Say he wins ten games. How do you knock him off the perch after you win ten games at Oklahoma? Like you know how hard that would be to do. Uh, as hard as saying, hey, Kyler Murray, you can go play pro baseball over the spring and summer and then show up and enroll and get the keys back. I mean, it's hard, though, right? No, I mean, I, that, that, I, you have to take faith in that. No, but I, Kyler Murray's I, a different breed, I, man. Like, I don't. We're comparing apples and oranges a little bit there. I don't, think it, I don't think it's that far away because what you're saying is, do I trust the kid? And in the case of saying that we're going to try to find you a spot to land – that's provided that Austin Kendall's checked out, and I'm not sure that the kid is because if he's checked out, he would have checked out two years ago. He would have checked. No, out. I don't think he's checked out, but I think if if Hertz comes, no, in, I'm saying I that that's he, what yeah, I'm saying. I don't think so. I don't think so because he played behind two Heisman winners, and you know what? Those two dudes, from his standpoint, playing devil's advocate, they got lucky. They didn't blow a knee. They didn't go down with an ankle. You know, they didn't. Uh, they also were uh, able to spend a year learning the offense. I know, I know, you're being playing devil's advocate, Herb, man, Herb, but I'm just going off source information. Well, and I'm, I mean, that's. Stuff. I mean, that we're discussing. Yeah, we're okay. discussing. We're not coming to the definitive because fact is, Jalen Hurts is. Yeah, still we in, can't crystal ball. We don't have a crystal ball. To see but how it plays out. but he's yeah. still enrolled at Alabama. He is yep. taking visits. And one of the things that I keep trying to point out to people about the transfer portal is. What it does is make it more difficult on the kid once that mm -hmm. information is made public because now you have to walk around in the program with people saying, knowing you got to fed up the door if you wanted. And I think right. that's what Tate Martell is doing more than Jalen Hurts is saying, you know what, I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to sit here and just take you bringing in these guys to compete with me when I was told that I was going to have an opportunity to win the job outright and not be brought in with this better competition or even competition that's on par. What I'm saying is – if you are either one of these guys in the portal or not, what you want everybody to know is that you can do stuff too. And if a, if a coach is going to bring in competition, you're going to say, okay, well, then you'll lose the competition that might make this guy better. And again, you're talking about Jalen Hurts. I understand the experience, and I'm, I'm, I like Jalen Hurts. I like him uh, as a quarterback. I like that he's got a national title ring. He'd have the only mm -hmm. other one not named Kale Gundy, and Kale Gundy's is 18 years old and collecting dust. What I'm saying is, 
Austin Kittle would feel good because Jalen Hurts has to earn this or learn this offense on the fly. He has to learn it inside of eight months, and he's not even here. Austin Kittle has been in this offense for three years. He sat behind two dudes that he knows are better than Jalen Hurts. He's okay. Right. You know, I just I don't necessarily think that he's out the door just because Jalen Hurts shows up. I think he's out the door if he wants to be out the door. And I think that, you know, as good as Jalen Hurts is, he is susceptible to being injured as anybody else. As good as Tanner Mordecai could be, I don't think that Austin Kendall is, in, uh, is intimidated by him. And I certainly don't think that you'd be missing on Spencer Rattler by starting Austin Ken or excuse me, Tanner Mordecai and winning 10 games. But more than that, you're going to have four quarterbacks on campus, no more, no less. That's what everybody wants. That's what everybody want, is going to have. I don't see... I don't see this as a problem. I see this as something we get to talk about and get to have fun with in right. January. I guess is, well, is my whole point. Yeah, no, you, you the the other aspect and the reason why you bring in a grad transfer is because it auto, it really does help you with 2020. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it helps you with the Bryce Young. I mean, it, I know we're saying a name that's everybody's like, wait, what? Bryce Young? Oh, okay. If you're on OUinsider.com, you know about Bryce Young, and you know the the situation there and everything that's going on behind the scenes there a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they get they get a chance to to get after him a little bit more. And with all the uncertainty and just the, 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 the I guess, what would you, I'm trying to think, without uh, saying, sh well, just the shit storm, I guess, that you'd have to call it. I mean, that's the only thing I can think to call it what's going on at USC. Because it's a, a dumpster fire. I'm sorry. Dumpster fire. Because it is. It's a dumpster fire. Am I right? I mean, they've gone through God. I mean, I know that's that's so, kind of so leading us into our next I am, next I am, conversation, but I'm not a uh I, I I am a profane person, but I try not to be profane yeah. in a public space, which is to say the the term that I've used is uh <laughs> Chinese fire drill. Because it is whatever be, it is. Because, this crap is what it is. Because you don't know who's coming or going. You don't know what they have. You don't know how long they're going to have it. Like, okay, let me let me lay out some facts here. Cliff Kingsbury, well, let's start back. Clay Helton has an abysmal season with a terrible showing to a Notre Dame team that nobody believed in and basically yeah. got in on the strength of a win over them when we know that USC wasn't very good. Then you tell Clay Helton. Michigan, yeah. You tell Clay Helton. Blow up your staff, but you get to stay, which is something a lot of coaches won't do because loyalty matters in this business. But he did it. He blew up the staff, mm -hmm. and he said, okay, I'm going to go get somebody. And Lynn Swan says, how about Cliff Kingsbury? And Clay Helton knows that he doesn't run any scheme like Cliff Kingsbury, and he's an offensive coach, but he hires Cliff Kingsbury. After firing guys like T. Martin, who I always thought was an up-and-comer in the gig, but you have Cliff Kingsbury for all of a month before he leaves right. you for a better job, but was going to leave you, period. Just using you as a stopgap. In the meantime, you don't have an offensive coordinator. You do have JT Daniels, who graduated early to get there. You bring in two five-stars that you got to keep happy in Kyle Ford and Brew McCoy. And I have, if you're on the board, you know how everybody feels about that. You also know that Bubba Bolden, who was an extremely highly regarded safety that got into trouble, got suspended, you thought was coming back to USC because he was reinstated, said, you know what, I don't really like the way that I was treated while I was here, so I'm going to transfer to Miami. All while Chris Steele saw what happened to Bubba Bolden and said, no way I can go to USC, and he lives down the street 
right? Mm -hmm. And now you got your 2020 class in deep jeopardy because you don't have coordinators offensively that can say, this is what we're running and this is what we're going to do with you. I just also, on top of this, the former number one recruit, I believe in the 20, uh, 2017 class, and Jalen Phillips wants to go to USC after he said he was going to retire for health issues from UCLA. And this gets into the Roy Manning stuff. If you're on the board, you understand about how good he is at coaching uh, linebackers, in particular outside mm -hmm. linebackers. But it's just turned into a soap opera, and it's embarrassing because USC is one of the premier programs in the sport. And you just can't have this kind of stupidity, frankly, going on at this institution and have the sport look good, especially in a conference that, by the way, hired a PR crisis management firm to try to get the brand back to where it should be. It wasn't that long ago we were all talking about Larry Scott the way that we were talking about Mike Slot and that he's one of the smartest commissioners in the game, and now yep. he looks like St. Ignatius. He looks like the dude that's just walking down the street throwing coins into the air going, you know what, it's all funny money anyway. I just don't see how any of this is a good look for USC or the Pac-12. But also, I don't know if anybody's paying attention, but Lincoln Riley went out and went into modern day, which is, again, down the street from USC, without a defensive coordinator, and walked out with defensive recruits. Walked out with a four-star safety. And you know what? If Elias Ricks was on the board, he probably would have walked out with him in 2022 because you have a commit playing cornerback who carpools with the dude. I just, I, the fact that they let this get this far out of hand with a guy that they had tapped, and we all thought was a really good guy in Clay Helton, is just all on Lin Swan to me. How did you mess this up? Yeah, no, he, he was an amazing sideline reporter back in the day, and that's kind of where I think oh, he, I he, 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 he needed, he, yeah, he needed it. I thought he, he was full of it. I couldn't stand he, Lin Swan. Oh, you didn't like him on the sideline either? Nah, man. I, I, but I'm a hard dude to please when we're talking about sideline reporter too. I mean, I just it's a tough gig, but do it to the best. Show some hustle. Show some effort. You know, I think that's the gig because you know it's a bad spot to be in. But if you're talking about sideline reporters, I mean, I also compare it to the folks that work in the NBA, and they're really good at their jobs. You know, Lisa Salter, she can go back and forth, but – Doris Burt cut her teeth on dudes like Greg Popovich, made it work. You know, uh, Craig Sager, legend, made it work. Yeah. I just, I remember watching Lynn Swan and thinking, why are you yucking at me? <laughs> I, guess, I guess, I mean, I, I guess he needs to just stay out of the limelight when it comes to football because he's not, he, as an administrator, he's awful. I mean, that's been proven time and time and time and time again. I feel like it's just been... It's just been nothing but junk since he showed up at uh, USC to be there in their athletic department, and they have yet to win with him there. I think ever since um, ever since Pete Carroll left, that whole football program has been nothing but a whirlwind where they they don't even know, you know, what to expect year after year because you you think you know with USC because they have all this talent. They have everything going for them. And then they go out there and they drop a six and six or a six and seven or whatever. And the next year they'll be nine and three. And everybody's like, Oh, they're back. Well, guess what happens year after that? They're like five and seven. I mean, it's been awful. And that's, that's USC. That's, that's a blue blood. That's a program you look at and you go, 
they should win every year. They should be up there with the Ohio States, the Oklahomas, the Alabamas, the the Georgias of the world every year, the the now Clemsons, I guess you want to say. I don't even know if you can call Clemson a blue blood, but they've won two of the last three, so they're getting there. Um, so I, I mean, dude, they should be up there. That that's in our childhood. Think about the programs that they had, even when we were in college. That's the Matt Leinerts, the the Dwayne Jarrett's. Okay, the, all right. Let me let me let me jump in there and say, childhood, no. Uh, college and high in high school into college. Mm, for me, yes. For you, I, I'm sure college because you're a bit older than me. But look, yeah, man, it was, look, it was it was high school and college. Look, man, they didn't get good until like 2003, and they were bad by 2007. Uh, you yeah, know, that's what and, I mean. and, like, and then and then you know, like like I don't that that's a that's not a long enough stretch for me to say that USC was back or I mean they were great when Pete Carroll was there, but he was only there for so long when they were really good. I, just, I mean, but I got to watch Keyshawn and all them. They were good. Back nah, then, I, so. uh, Keyshawn, Keyshawn was good. Tell me who yeah, the quarterback was. Yeah, but I mean, was. they were winning. They were winning nine, ten games every year. Like they were eight, nine, ten games. That's what they did. Um, they, 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 they had Moranovich. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now that you A brought robo? him up, now that you brought brought up Todd Moranovich, I wonder how much of that dude Tua Tagovailoa's dad knows about. Because the story of Todd Marinovich and how he became the it quarterback, striking to me how Tua fits into it, which is, yo, dad said, I'm going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. And when you make your kids switch from righty to lefty, <laughs> and and you make it very clear that when we go to the beach, it's not to have fun, it's to train. I, I was thinking, is Tua going to be playing football in five years? I don't know, man. That's a good question. I'm not sure that dude's <laughs> having really having a lot of fun, man. No, they look like they look like they take it very, very serious, and everything they do is football oriented. I mean, I, I, I just couldn't do that to my kid. I mean, my kid is very like you and I have discussed how motivated my six year old is about everything, and he asks to be trained and stuff like that. But I would never walk up to him and go, you know what? It's time to go train. I don't care how old they are. Like you need to go train. They have to want to do it. Well, I was about to say, the the best case scenario that I've heard about from a superstar athlete that everybody would know is Bryce Harper. And Bryce's dad is a sports dad. His family is sports-oriented, but it was Bryce that was going up to his dad repeatedly going, let's do soft toss. And he's like, are you serious? We just got back from wherever. And, and, you know, he played on, like, a million travel league teams and be like, no, we need to go do some soft toss. And his dad would repeatedly be like, are you okay? Are Are you good? Just throw the ball, dad. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, Bryce, Bryce is here for it, and that's what you need. Yeah. But not everybody's built that way. And yeah, you no. know, I, I would, I, I would venture to say that one in ten thousand people is built that way. So it's not any sin or anything like that. And there's a lot of folks that do things because they're good at it, not because they absolutely love to do it. And the things that you usually love to do are not necessarily things that you're good at. You know, it's just things that bring you joy. And I'm not right. necessarily sure that Tua Tagovailoa loves football and i i kind of was circling back to this and in, in what we're talking about but we're talking about quarterbacks we're talking about transferring we're talking about the reasons for which kids might transfer we need to talk about the reasons for which kyler murray might play in the nfl and whom he might play for because you and i were joshing about where he would go but since then cliff kingsbury has been giving the head coaching job at arizona 
And everybody's keying on what he said in October, which is if I was in the NFL, I would take him with the number one pick in the draft. So everybody's already concocted a way for him to trade away Josh Rosen to say the Giants who need a quarterback and then go draft Kyler with the number one overall pick. Now, Arizona got way out in front of this and said, there's no way. Mm-hmm. I still don't think it's going to happen, but I also think it's not going to happen because Cliff Kingsbury doesn't actually run anything. I think he's a glorified offensive yeah. coordinator. No, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where everybody, they want him to bring in his system. They want it to try to work for Rosen. Now, could here's a, here's the deal. Could they draft? And did you see what Will Kane said today? Nah, man, I don't listen to hacks. Well, he was on there. Their, their, I just saw a clip of their uh, first take, and I thought it was pretty interesting. And is, I this the same, is this the same first take where Stephen A. went on about what Kyler can or can't do? Yeah, it was actually that exact segment, and, and that's where Will Kane actually, you're calling him a hack, but he agrees with you on this. Is he talking um, about the Cowboys? Mm, no, he was he was talking okay. about the Cowboys. All right, okay. Yeah, so, All right. so he, he, he got in there and he said, look, he goes, I wasn't a fan of Kyler, but I'm a Texas Longhorn fan, and I watched him just destroy my Longhorns defense over and over and I watched what he did to Alabama um, to say that he can he couldn't be the number one pick in the draft is absurd which I kind of agree with I mean if you're gonna say that just because of a guy's height that's why you're not a number one draft pick I don't think you're living in 2019 to where you feel that it's still 2005 or 2010 and you have to be this prototypical I mean that's been that's been debunked by what four or five quarterbacks in the league right now so that's stupid to even believe that and to say kyler just because he's an inch inch and a half shorter than the other guys that are out there doing it that he can't do it i mean that inch inch and a half isn't that big of a discrepancy to where a guy that runs a four three forty four four forty whatever he goes out there and runs and has an arm and the iq that he does that he can't go out there and be really good at the nfl level it's just stupid and that's where everybody's getting at they're like well he wouldn't even be a top 10 pick Will Kane came out and said, if I'm the Cardinals, I'd draft him number one anyways because, one, he fits what they're doing. Two, Kingsbury recruited him to Texas A&M before he left for Texas Tech, right? Am I, am I right on that? He did, didn't he? I think so, and I think he wanted him to come right. out to Tech. Yeah, and he wanted him to come out to Tech, and he almost did. And so he's, he started recruiting him as a sophomore, so that family is very close. I, and the under, The I, understanding of what he's doing – uh, I, I I just think you do it. You draft until you hit. Nobody knows if Rosen's a hit. Oh. If, I don't think Rosen's a hit. Uh, I really okay. don't. All right. I, I, I don't think, think Josh Rosen's a hit. Nobody I thought think, Jared Goff was Kyler a hit Moore, either, I, and then you got him a quarterback coach that knew what to do with him. Right, but I think that Murray can come in there and do better in that system than Rosen could. I think it's too many, I, move, I think it's too many moving parts, one. Uh, you could trade Rosen, though, and get more assets for it. Though. I Doubt it. You'd get draft picks. You wouldn't get assets. Well, you that's what those draft picks turn into assets. No, but you're going to get Kyler Murray killed in the meantime because you're not going to have an offensive line to block for him. By the well, way, you also, still have, comes in. you also so, still have David Johnson standing next to him who is your best offensive weapon outside of Christian Kirk. You're just not built for Kyler Murray right now. And who did Christian Kirk play with in, high, in college? Yeah, and and again, I mean, that's what, I mean, that's again, if you do this. not have an offensive line to block for him, it doesn't matter. That's where free agency comes in. I don't think that's you can. Where... Okay, 
Brandon, we both agree that offensive line and defensive linemen are the toughest not oh, only to recruit yeah, but to so but hard. to get, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to go into free agency for somebody's also rans. Not for Kyler Murray. Not, not, not everybody's an also ran when you get there. Some guys choose to leave. And what are you going to give up to get one guy? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I kind of agree with what, what you're saying, but I'm also saying that I wouldn't throw out this Kyler Murray not being a part of the Cardinals, just completely throw it out because nobody thought Baker Mayfield was going to be the number one pick in the draft. They thought he was going to fall to number five to the Broncos, I, uh, and he didn't. I, I think I – think, I think, uh, And you see what I'm saying? I, we I just would, don't know. Uh, I would uh, – I would – that he would have gone to the New York Jets before he would have got to the Denver Broncos, but that's mm. just me. They already said they. I mean, obviously they have to come out and say that, but well, they also I, took a quarterback. They did take a quarterback, and it sounds like that's what they kind of wanted. I, I, of course, they have to say that after they draft. I okay, well, just but, I, I, hey, man, like you're saying, where was he gonna go? Trying to get me riled up right now for the Broncos. Anyways, <laughs> here's the deal: is I agree with you, but my point is, is that. I just you can't say that they're not going to draft it. They can't say all right, that. All right, all right. Maybe let's, they do. Maybe they move Rosen for a couple of linemen. Let's say because this. that would be a good move because you could get Rosen for a couple of offensive Let's linemen. let's say Somebody this. Would do that. Let's say this, right? Let's let's say first that Kyler Murray enters in the draft like everybody thinks that he will, but he hasn't as of the taping of this podcast. And then let's yeah, he's gone because Oklahoma is trying to get. Jalen Hurts. Well, so you might as well go ahead and give it up. I'm not saying that I'm giving it. I'm look, man. I'm no. Saying, I'm telling the rest of the world, not you. You understand. Oh. I'm telling the rest of the world to give it up. Oh, all right. So let's let's go from there. And you've said, you know, what he does in the combine or whatnot. I don't think that Kyler Murray is gonna go to anybody's pro day. Gonna go to anybody's to combine. combine yeah. He's gonna. He's, he's not gonna perform for anybody. You're going to draft him or you're not because number one, he's gonna play baseball on February 15th, regardless of what goes on on Monday afternoon, Monday morning, when the NFL early draft entry deadline is right. done. He's playing baseball now. The question becomes, if he gets drafted highly enough, does he quit playing baseball? to go play football, but also the Oakland A's get to keep their draft pick. They don't get to have him in the system, which is going to hurt them. But if football doesn't work out, it ain't like he's going to move to wide receiver, which is another rant that I have. <laughs> but I, I still want to stay on this subject just for the time being and say that, look, man, I, I, I get that you're saying that they could go draft him at number one overall, but the mere fact that he's playing baseball – is gonna get some folks shook in that organization because it's not a copycat league. It's a CYA league. It's a cover your rear league. And what you get to say mm -hmm. is, hey, we didn't give up the farm to go get a guy who's playing professional baseball. We're, we didn't trade away Josh Rosen for some uh, offensive lineman for a dude we're not even sure might even show up on time and right. will be fully invested in playing the game of football because he has this other thing on the tape. Look, I fought. As, a, as an elementary kid through middle school and high school, boxing, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was told to me repeatedly is, RJ, I, I don't want to train you to be a pro. And I would be like, am I not good enough to be a pro? No, it's not that. Well, what is it? You have options. You don't have to be a boxer. You can go play football. You can run track. You can go join the debate team. You can go to college and do whatever it is. I want somebody who has made it their life. I want somebody who has decided there is nothing else in life for them to do. 
except to use their hands to go get what they want, Mike to Tyson. go fend for themselves. That is a very dangerous man, right? So, like, I think the mm -hmm. reason that you and I are good at what we do is because this is this is who we are, right? Yeah. I, I tried not to do it for, like, three years, and I'm here doing it, you know, while I do all this other stuff that I got into. But the point here is I don't think it's that Kyler Murray can't do both. I think it's that everybody else is spooked about a guy that can. Because if he can, he will. And if he will, are you getting the best out of that guy? Or do you at least get to tell your your owner, who is the only fan that matters at the NFL level because they don't have boosters, they don't have athletic departments, they don't have any of that. Do, do you get to tell the owner that we're getting everything we possibly can out of this quarterback? No. Because no, yeah. Kyler Murray was drafted last June. It's out the door, period. Now, right, but here— can can I can I interject? Please, 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 please. So so what? Are, with what you're going for and what you're saying, I agree with. But the caveat to that is, and the devil's advocate, I guess, is, is basically he could get drafted early, and they go ahead and they pay off their. If it, say he goes up to he tells the NFL people that he interviews with, because we all know Kyler Murray's going to interview with a lot of these guys, right? Like we understand that he's going to go and interview with teams. I'm not even sure that that's going to happen. Well, he's got to do something to that effect. I think he'll do a phone call. Right, but I mean, over the phone, he'll, and he'll guarantee, hey, look, if you draft me earlier, I'm not going to play baseball right now. And they can go in and say, okay, well, if you're going to do that, we'll pay off the, what is it, the $3.3 that you owe the A's for not showing up. Kyler gets to keep $1.3 of it. We'll pay that off, and we'll subtract that from part of your signing bonus. That way you're getting, but he's still going to be making more upfront than he ever would in baseball. I could see that happening. The money's not the aspect for me. I think the money is is already agreed to. But that in, plays into it. I, I mean, but I also think real. that that Scott Boris is still going to be doing the talking here. Yeah, and he's going to want in baseball because that's where he's powerful. Well, at. No, he's I powerful. I think he's going to want to get the most money because Scott Boris, yeah, he's a super agent in baseball, but that's because that's where the most money is. Right. And Scott Boris does not speak baseball as much as he speaks green, which is to say <laughs> that if he thought he could get Mike Trout more money to be an NFL quarterback, he'd be an NFL agent. He just yeah, knows that. That's he, fair. You know, and so going with that thinking, knowing what we know about Kyler and knowing what we know about how difficult this decision is being for him, I think he just wants to know that folks are going to be behind him. And I think the Oakland Athletics have positioned themselves best to demonstrate. They're in the Kyler Murray business by going, hey, number one, go play college football. We want you to have that season, and we're going to build it into the contract. And then saying, yes, we fully expect him to go enter his name in the draft, and we're not spooked by it because, you know, there's no shame or, or disinterest in you being drafted because that's not playing professional football. It is being drafted. I think mm. that what that dude wants is what he got out of Oklahoma, which is to say we're investing in you. We want you to have fun. We want you to be yourself. Because Oklahoma was the first school which could have said, we don't want you here if you're going to play baseball. And not only did they not say that, they said, go have a ball, son. We'll work it out with Skip right. Johnson to make sure that not only you get enough practice time at each place, but you're still in position to win the starting job. And they stuck with him. And I think that's the thing, if you're Kevin Murray, if you're Scott Boris, that you want to get communicated to Kyler. Because if you're looking at Kyler as a piece of meat— who's going to play quarterback for you, he ain't going to go into the draft and sign. It's just not what he's going to do. I think this kid really does speak to loyalty because if you're listening to his Hall of Fame speech, or Hall of Fame, excuse me, Heisman Trophy speech, which is a former Hall of Fame, I guess, 
But if you're listening, you could hear how much he really loved his mother. And his mother, by the way, was the person in the entire room who could care less about sports, who's texting. His mom was his best friend because she was behind Kyler. Didn't care what he did, how he did it. She was in the Kyler Murray business, and I think that means the most to this dude. And I think this gets me into the part about the wide receiver bit again. If you're looking at him as a product, just keep walking, man. Because who wants to be a product? People want to be family. You know, people want to know that they're going to be taken care of when stuff hits the fan. And by the way, it always hits the fan. No, I agree. Uh, I, I just I feel that I just feel like Kyler. Well, do you do you do you feel like he's he one hundred percent wants to play football or baseball, or am I just am I just reading things reading too much into this? I think he one hundred percent wants to play both, and he's been told one hundred percent no. So now yeah. he's put in the very difficult position of saying, which one do I love more when he's really always been both? You know, that was yeah. the thing that I think, honestly, I was giving this a lot of thought, especially in the way that 2018 turned out for him and going, Sumlin, why didn't you just let the kid play baseball? Because I, I honestly believe he was off balance. Yeah. I think that being told you can't do one or the other made him a worse quarterback because – I don't know about you, Brandon, but one of the reasons that I do so much is because it keeps me on balance. It yep. keeps me mentally aware. It keeps me on task. I'm not allowed to wander or get deep into my feelings. And I think I mentioned it on this podcast, but if I, if you watch the videos, you know that I speak quite honestly about depression and, and in particular manic depression. And one of the ways that, you know, through therapy and, and other activities I've learned to cope is – as a kid growing up, I did all things all the time. And my mother would speak to this in that if RJ's not busy, RJ's not okay. And because I'm busy, I'm operating on all cylinders. I can do all the things. If you remove things from my plate, I'm off balance and I'm sluggish and I'm slow and I get into deep, dark spaces where I can't function. And I wonder on a molecular level if Kyler Murray just has to do both to be good at both, you yeah. know, which is counterintuitive to what we might think. Yeah, I see where you're going with that, but I think if see that that's the scary part about this whole deal. If maybe he could be the greatest two two sport athlete since Bo Jackson, and even better than Dion, and he he could be that guy. But at the same time, he's not going to get that opportunity. He's not going. Yeah, he's not going to get that opportunity because in today's world, you are, you know, you 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 basically become a profession. At and just focus on one singular sport, and, and that's where you know you see all these kids out there training for football. They don't play basketball. It's year round training for their skill set, training for what they do in football, twenty four seven, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year. Instead of doing what we did when we were kids, and that was doing both. You do two and three, three sports, and that's what made some of those athletes great because they were so diversified and, and made themselves, you know, they got the agility from playing soccer and basketball. They got their speed from working out in football and running track and, and stuff like that, where today it's like I got my speed because I basically worked out 365 days a year working on my speed and agility in a weight room in a training facility to focus on this one sport, football, to play wide receiver or quarterback or running back, what have you. It doesn't matter. 
but you see what I'm saying? Like it's a totally different dynamic and world than what we grew up in. But that's kind of changing again. I think my aunt, who is who, who's dealing with all this stuff, I guess it's starting to be told that you need to do multiple sports again. That they've realized that actually works out better for kids in the long run, and then then doing this, you know, focusing on one sport deal that they try to do nowadays, uh, where you just play that sport year round. So I I hope that's what they go back to because. I think that's way better for kids because it doesn't burn them out. You don't, you see a lot of the drop off when they get older, you know, playing in high school because they've, they've done one sport their whole life. So now they don't want to do anything else because they aren't good at anything else with that sport, but they're burnt out on it. So they just don't want to do it. And that's where the games come in. That's where depression sets in. That's where kids get into trouble and they become lazy. And you, you know what I'm saying? Like it, they need to get back to that world. I believe, and I just totally went off on a whole different tangent. No, I, 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 I'm with you on this because I'm working on a story and a series of videos with Tracking Football where I, where I interviewed the guys at trackingfootball.com. We're doing some really cool stuff where they examine how track and field events translate to football athleticism and have come up with an algorithm to demonstrate that these That's track cool. traits translate yeah. to football on a one-to-five scale. And they put together some stats that I thought were just awesome. Like, you know, this dude ran a 10.68 100 meters. He ran a 7.29 55-meter hurdle. He jumped 6.9 in the high jump. He jumped 24-7 in the long jump. And he went 13 feet in the pole vault. I'll give you $100 if you can tell me who that person is. Okay, so... He did all this when? High school. All of the stats are coming from high school. What sport did he play? I'm not telling you. Oh, I'm going to say Deion Sanders. Close. It's Bo Jackson. But, but that was going to be my other guess. So, <laughs> But more to the point, what I'm saying here, and this is the reason why I went with Bo Jackson, because he did play every sport, is an unexamined life is not worth living. And I didn't say that. Socrates did. He also said true knowledge exists and knowing that you know nothing, which is to say... Do as much as you can while you can. Push the boundaries. There are no limits except the ones that you put on yourself. And that's one of the reasons why professional sports, I think, is just always going to be its own worst enemy. We've just gotten to the point to where an air raid college football coach is deemed worthy enough to run an NFL franchise when Hal Mummy was running Air Raid in 1985, and before him, yeah. Lavelle Edwards was running it in the early 80s at BYU, and before that, Sid Gilman, Sid Gilman was running it in the NFL. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I hate it because people want to have a built-in excuse for something that won't work, and it's not worth the risk to them because you'll fail. Well, I'm here to tell you folks, I failed. I'm going to fail again. I'm going to fail mm -hmm. better. But the point is, I'm... I'm doing this, and I'm here because I tried something. Like, I don't know about you, Brandon, but do you know anybody who's ever covered a sport via YouTube? I've seen it tried. Right. And I've seen it tried, too. And that person failed, and I was able to learn from that person's mistakes. Right? Mm -hmm. But I'm here talking about this sport, covering it on YouTube, doing interviews, mm -hmm. doing the best I can, creating what I can, and trying to do the best I can with what I have. And I, I'm bringing that all up to say... I wish Kyler Murray could play both professional football and professional baseball because I think he'd be wondrous at them. But as it is today, yep. the, the position that he is in, I think he's going to choose football. 
because we already know that he is in the top point zero zero one percent of college football players, which means that yeah. he has a very good opportunity to be Make in the top one percent of yeah. NFL players, and we don't really know as much about his major league future because one, he hasn't played a lot of baseball at the college level, and two, Five it's, years for yeah, it's so difficult to get into the show, man. Uh, and once you get yeah. there, could he be, even be on the same team? Would they have traded him? Would they have stuck with him for five Probably. years? No. Yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of this is 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 highfalutin speak to just say, sorry, man, you're going to have to go in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah, he is. He is. And he, that that's kind of where I've leaned the whole time because, look, it's, I, I can't remember the lady's name um, that – does MPA for um, ESPN. She's like a, she's an insider and she always, she breaks news all the time for like free agency. R- Ramona like Shelburne? Ramona Shelburne. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. But, yeah. So, Hell of a softball player, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. She was. And that's what I was going to say. That was my other hand. I couldn't remember her name, but I knew she played softball. Um, Stanford. She I gave us, yeah. yeah. She gave a stat that was really intriguing to me and said, you know, of all the teams from like since like 2010, there's been such and such. How many first round quarterbacks have been drafted? I think it was like 39 to 45 percent or something like that. I can't remember the exact total, but it was something absurd. Made 55 million dollars while they just probably set the bench for the most part. That was the average that the quarterbacks made in that time span from being drafted. Oh yeah, the average, like so he has a chance to make absurd money. Not just not not just that he's going to be known as the two sports star, regardless of whether because he got drafted in both. So Nike, Adidas, whoever gets a Jordan brand, whoever gets a hold of this guy is going to give him a fat hundred million dollar signing, uh, just like Baker, to to sign with them as well. So he's going to be making upwards of two, three hundred, four hundred million dollars by the time his career is over. Again, just an endorsement and again, everything because of his position again, at, at quarterback. Again, right? With I don't, I don't, I think we all know, and I think Kyler knows what the money is going to be and how how huge it is compared to baseball. Even if he, you know, he's going to get his endorsement deal. Period. Whether it's baseball, yeah, or football. endorsements were football, dwarfs, baseball. Big but time. I also think that inherent in this, because I wrote this piece on on OUinsider.com, digging into to quarterbacks and the money. If you're a bad quarterback. And by bad, I mean you spend more time next to the water cooler than, like you mentioned, on the bench than playing on the field. The $55 million average does not necessarily do justice to dudes like Chase Daniel, right, who didn't make that much money but made the same amount of money in the same amount of time as Adam Eaton, who's an everyday outfielder for the Nationals yep. batting over 300. You know, I just yep. – that dude's an all-star, and Chase Daniel – is basically just on the team for all yeah, intents and purposes. Yeah, he's made a bunch of money just right. sitting there holding the clipboard his and, whole career. And Blake Bortles, who's basically damaged goods at this point, could resurrect his career. I just don't see it happening. He's made $40 million, and he's 26, yep. you know? Yep. so I, I mean, Four years, yeah. my goodness. And we're, we're, I mean, I think we're agreeing, and we should probably move on because we're we're destroying the yeah, subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we totally did. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. So, so fast forward if you want to get to – if you well, you probably if you made it this far, no point to fast forward. Yeah, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk position coaches. We know that Tim Kish mm. is retired. Uh, we have some ideas, some very heavy leanings about the guys who are out the door. Hmm. Um, 
I don't necessarily know if we want to talk about those things on the podcast, but we can talk about a couple of folks that I think are public in the knowledge that they yeah, interviewed talk, or being talked yeah. about for the yeah. job. Yeah, we can do that. Rather than just where he is in the search. So talking about Roy Manning in that I, the dude that I keyed in on because I was looking at the group of which Alex Grinch put together when he went to Washington State, and Roy Manning stood out to me because of what he was able to do with the outside linebackers in particular. And I know that that is a point of emphasis in Oklahoma's recruiting for the 2019, 2018, 2017 classes when you look at guys like Jalen Redmond, Nick Benito, uh, John Michael Terry moved out there. We'll see how that continues to go, Mark Jackson, so forth, so on. But Roy Manning was also on the UCLA staff that played against Oklahoma earlier mm-hmm. in, this, in the season. Also had a number one recruit in Jalen Phillips playing outside linebacker, and they look pretty good against Oklahoma. And while he's at Washington State, his outside linebackers had 26 and a half tackles for loss and 12 sacks by themselves. And he brings a lot of energy. You know that he would hit the ground running with recruiting, and he has an NFL background that I think could benefit Oklahoma and the kids that want to see the next level at that position, particularly as a special teams commando so he knows what it takes to grind as opposed to be a first-round talent that goes in there. And I think some of the dudes that are on the on the field now are going to fall into that category so he can help set them up. And he coached at Michigan, he coached at Cincinnati before getting to Washington State, and now at UCLA where it's outside linebackers and special teams, so maybe he'll be able to do some of that. And because he can coach both sides of the ball as well as every linebacker position, it just made a lot of sense, and then there you go with him kind of showing up on OU's radar. Yeah, and I mean, he it's, it's pretty well public knowledge that he came in for an interview, um, and that seems to have gone well. Um, there's That's about all I can really say as far as that goes uh, publicly, obviously. Um, so, yeah, Oklahoma's, Oklahoma seems to have really pinpointed him. Uh, they seem to have really pinpointed uh, Zach uh, Spavital, formerly out of the Broken Arrow and Tulsa area, and um, as a high school coach. That the Spavital family is very well known up there in the Tulsa area as far as coaching goes. Uh, he was also a linebackers coach and at, at Texas Tech, but he also GA'd right out of uh, college at the University of Oklahoma back in the early 2000s. Uh, kind of worked under Kale and Kel Gundy and a couple other guys. So that that makes sense. He's at Texas Texas State right now as a defensive coordinator. Uh, he makes sense. And obviously Brian Odom, a former Oklahoma running back, uh, fullback, what have you, uh, out of Ada, Oklahoma, uh, transferred and finished out his college at Southeastern. And he uh, became uh, – he was so well regarded at Oklahoma for as a hard worker that OU kind of brought him along and brought him – in as a uh, to kind of help them with the strength conditioning staff under Jerry Smith, he went on to Missouri or Arizona, and then went up to Washington State, uh, where he then switched over and became a defensive quality uh, control guy. Uh, before his brother Barry got the job, Barry Odom got the job at Missouri to be the head coach, and then he brought Brian down to be the linebacker coach. So him coming in uh, as well would be make sense. Uh, but but I don't know that Oklahoma is actually going to 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 get two linebacker coaches because we still don't know what's going to happen with Ruffin McNeil. Well, we know, and that's about something I'm I'm teasing now that we're going to have covered tomorrow on 
OUinsider.com. <laughs> so I'm about to put all that up tonight. That tomorrow we, is Friday, by the way. Yeah, tomorrow, Friday, being that we will have that stuff up uh, and, and some other stuff as far as uh, cornerback uh, coaches that have been interviewed and talked to. So it's yeah, there's a lot of stuff going up on OUinsider.com and, and Jalen Hurts. There's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about with Jalen Hurts that is about to go up on OUinsider.com Friday uh, tomorrow heading into the weekend for you all Oklahoma fans that want to know all those details. We're about to have them all up there. A uh, little tease, little tease, but uh, that's things that we really can't do on the podcast and talk about. But it's it's it, it, there's a lot of movement going on right now. Uh, we can say that Calvin Thibodeau is being kept on. And obviously we know that Kerry Cooks, uh, is most likely not part like and they never came out and publicly said it but he's interviewed for the North Texas job while down there in San Antonio um, and uh, Tim Kish has retired and obviously Mike Stoops was fired so there's been a lot of movement on the defensive side of the ball and there's more more to come here in the next probably three or four days to be honest with you all right I think that's a good place to end it Um I think I, you know, covered some ground at the end. If you stuck around, it's a big recruiting weekend too, by the way. Well, yeah, we got uh, some official visitors, and uh, Brandon's going to have notes on those. I'm going to have notes on those. That, and Sunday's going to be a big day because, well, that's always a big day when the officials are over. I would expect an eyeball or two, maybe. Hey, yeah, there you go. Just saying, there you go. There's probably one eyeball about to pop up on Sunday. I would, I would guess. uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying 100, percent but I'm pretty positive it's going to happen. So. There you go. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Young and Drum. I am RJ Young. That is Brandon Drum. We will see y'all next time. Deuces. Yep, deuces.